This show is brought to you by my friends at Alliance and Trust. In wild times like these, you need more than financial product salespeople. You need a firm that looks at the entirety of your life and helps you with strategies that coordinate all disciplines of good stewardship so you can manage wisely what God has given you and thrive in these times of chaos and confusion. Have a team that acts as consultants in the business of you. Call 805-372-0821 to schedule your no-obligation discovery meeting. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show, where we are working hard to be a threat to the Great Reset and working to put the man back in mankind. Uh, today, along with my official Bryce Yeti, I have two very special guests, both doctors, but not the kind that can look at my rash or anything like that. I've got a return guest, which is Dr. Grant Horner and Dr. Mitch Hopewell. Hopewell. Okay. Thank you. Um, anyway, hey, so I'm happy to have you guys. Of course, you, Grant, as always. Good to be back. I'm not looking at your rash under any circumstances, though. Yeah, I yeah. may cause one. Yeah, so, well, because you guys are professors and educators, and I know we're going to talk um, probably about a bunch of things, but, you know, there's a lot going on within that space right now. In fact, there's a, um, I, I think, a, you know, tremendous failing of most universities right now. And you guys are at one of the only universities I would send my kids to. And in fact, you know, they've been on that campus several times and it's probably in their future. Um, but, you know, uh, Charlie Kirk just wrote a book really talking about the college <clears throat> scam and what's happening. Uh, Dennis Prager talks about how sending your kids to universities like playing Russian roulette with their lives, but only one chamber is empty. And so, um, you know, love to talk to you guys about you know, who you both are. I mean, of course, um, Dr. Grant, you've been, uh, you know, part of this podcast um, now, I think, three times, four Several times. times yes. Yeah. So, and you're Repeat one of my, offender. yeah, it's me. You're one of my favorite people on earth um, and we are good friends, but, um, you know, why don't you guys talk a little bit about, you know, what, uh, what you're seeing right now and, um, you know, yeah. Whoever wants yeah. to start can start. I was I was born in 1964. So I kind of grew up in the golden age of America and I tell my students all the time, sorry, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, I, I went to public schools and then in uh, 10th, 11th and 12th grade, my parents with money that they didn't have sent me to a little private school in Annapolis, used to be the prep school for the Naval Academy right on the Severn River. And so I had a wonderful experience in kind of K through 12. I was a slacker. I didn't like work, but I had good teachers and there was good curriculum and it was just teaching the R's, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, all that right. classic stuff. Um and uh, went off to college at 18, was not ready, did quite badly, uh, left college, got married, went back to college, and then grad school in my late 20s and through my 30s. So I had a very unorthodox kind of second half of my education. But what has happened now in the American education system, largely because of the kind of college professors that are produced in the field of education as a discipline, the schools of education at universities, are producing graduates that really are not doing much of anything that I would call teaching. It's largely uh, cultural, political indoctrination. And there may be a place for that, but that's the political rally, not the classroom. And it's very, very concerning when I see people being churned out of these uh, public schools and even some private 
schools, mm-hmm. even some Christian schools, and almost all colleges and universities in America with various kinds of degrees who think they're educated, but they're not. Uh, the English word educate comes from educare, which is Latin, which just means to be let out from yourself. It's kind of the classical liberal idea of you are born self-focused. It's also a Christian idea. And you need to be, through a process of learning, you need to be made aware of things outside of you. Other people, other ideas, you need to study art and literature and philosophy and math and science and political theory and history and understand what the world is really like so you're not a naturally self-absorbed person. And the universities are just absolutely failing in that. And this has really been happening probably since about the 19, uh, 1960s. The university that I uh, am privileged to teach for, the Masters University right here in northern Los Angeles, is one of the very few that I would say is still kind of towing the line, kind of like Hillsdale in some ways, like Grove City in some ways. A few other schools that are still traditional and still Christian, a few of them are are Catholic schools like Thomas Aquinas. But it's a very, very rare thing. So what happens is people get these degrees, they get stamped, and they come out more ignorant than when they went in. Because there's nothing more ignorant than thinking that you're a good, thoughtful person with some sense of your place in the world, but actually to be so hermetically sealed into yourself in an ideological structure that you're actually blind to who you are and what the world is really like. You know what I find interesting about all that? Because we're simultaneously in this day and age where if you want to seek out and learn just about anything, you can go and get it. Um, You know, if you want to read the classics, if you want to learn about our early church fathers and things like that, you know, that information is not just there, but you can go on YouTube or you can go on, you know, different, you know, mediums like that and have you know, professors talking about it. Um, you know, Jordan Peterson, I was listening to some, you know, uh, podcast uh, clips of him today, and he was talking about how, you know, they're working to get uh, professors together, um, you know, to do that and bring the cost down and do lectures on these things. And, you know, and, and of course, you know, a lot of his stuff is all online. He's been putting his stuff on YouTube for years. And so if you are that kind of motivated person, you can go get an education. <coughs> Uh, Charlie Kirk, you know, going back to him, not just because I love him, but he is going to be coming on the show here shortly. And one of the things I'm going to talk to him about is, you know, he is a self-studied guy when it comes to these very things, Um, you know, and Mm -hmm. he gets all the time on these college campuses when he's debating people. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, you didn't even go to school, you know, as as if somehow that is the only way that you can attain, you know, this rarefied knowledge. But really, they're teaching you nonsense. Yes. Grant and I were talking about this on the way here, about how in many ways the degree and the university experience has become transactional. Uh, You need a degree to get a job. And this is exposed with information everywhere. I don't need the degree in order to get the information to get the job. And, you know, we, when people start to lose, they're losing faith in the college experience because if it was sold as you have to have the degree to get a job, like, you know, years ago it was, you have to have a high school diploma in order to get a job. Now it's, you got to have a college degree to get a job. And, and people are realizing that I can get that information anywhere. I can get the skills to get the job anywhere. Yeah. And it's exposed that, you know, what is the college experience for? What is the university experience for? And it's not for transacting information anymore. I mean, we talk about the old, you know, uh, days of Europe 
European universities and you there was like one or two copies of a book and you had to go to that university in order to get that information. Right. And someone would read it to you because you certainly couldn't take your copy of it with you, you know, and they'd read on it, comment on it. And this is your area of expertise, uh, Grant. But, you know, that's that's not the purpose of education anymore, you know. Yeah, and, and I think the vast, well, okay, I'm not going to say vast majority, but the majority of people, college is just not right for them. Not only is it not right for them, there's a whole majority of people that we don't want to go to college because we need them to go to trade schools. You know, we are, we are in um, a much greater need of a plumber or an electrician than we are of a gender studies major. Mm-hmm. And, and yet somehow that got turned upside down. I think it was the colleges uh, and universities that did it um, because the government got in bed with them. Absolutely. Once the government, um, you know, changed the, uh, you know, funding mechanisms for schools mm-hmm. and allowed all of that to go on, then they started to perpetuate the idea of, mm-hmm. oh, well, we need to sell these seats Okay, how do we sell the max number of seats? Okay, well, you know, we'll raise the price. We'll make the money really cheap. We'll raise the price. And then we'll let you design your own degree. You want to study something stupid and silly? Oh, we're the place for you. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, look at our beautiful campus. Look at our, you know, great stadiums, you know, all of that stuff. And then it just became this self-perpetuating thing. And then there's no job at the end of those ridiculous, silly, stupid degrees. Yeah, it's absurd. They become upset left-wing baristas who are making TikTok videos. I call it EGIC. Educational Government Industrial Complex. Yeah. Right? Barring off of Eisenhower was the original military industrial complex metaphor guy. And what happens is, yeah, the government gets involved in student loans. The amount of loans goes up. The interest goes down. The taxpayers bear the burden. And programs begin to expand because the more you fund something, the more of it you get. It's basic Thomas Sowell economics. And you end up with proliferating programs where you're graduating all these people with degrees in my area where you just don't need that many humanities scholars, right? No one calls a PhD in poetry, painting, and philosophy, which is me, when they're trying to read a sonnet at home. When the pipe breaks, you need the plumber. You need bricklayers. You need people who can hang drywall. You need people who can fix cars and drive airplanes. And the vast majority of human productivity doesn't require a four-year education. I'm speaking as someone who makes a living doing that. What you have now are basically... Marxist, atheist, materialist indoctrination factories. That's what they're doing. They're producing people who are so incredibly closed-minded that they freak out when someone comes on campus to say something that they may not agree with. They can't bear discussion that makes them uncomfortable. You must start taking care of your liver now more than ever. Why? Because the latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. The American Liver Foundation says that 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means many people are at risk. We throw everything at our livers, cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, statins, cigarettes. That's why so many of us have a sluggish, fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy. For decades now, your liver helped you with over 500 key functions every day. It's time to help your liver. There is a solution. Liver Health Formula, an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. It's manufactured right here in the USA and approved by American doctors. So, if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism... 
boost your energy and transform how you look and feel, try Liver Health Formula and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll receive a free bottle of nano-powered omega-3 to keep your heart healthy. You're also getting four free ebooks to support every aspect of your health. Try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhelp.com forward slash Bryce and claim your five free bonus gifts. That's getliverhelp.com forward slash Bryce. Yeah, I'm not sure if it happened yet um, uh, because it fell off my radar, but Charlie Kirk and uh, Dennis Prager were going to um, speak at ASU. And of course, the uh, protests in advance of it to try to get them to cancel it were, you know, just obscene. I mean, they, you know, the people were coming out of the woodwork to, you know, prevent them from talking on that campus. Yeah, I think the real irony of this is the fa- the faculty at these universities now were the ones that were on university campuses in the free speech movement and, you know, expand ideas. Yeah. And now they're, it's failed. They're not right. allowing that very thing. They're promoting this idea that we, mm-hmm. you know, we can't have this breadth of ideas. We have to, you know, the words are violence. Yeah. Well, that words, yeah. words are violence thing. I mean, I have a, a working theory on that one. And, uh, you know, I think as we move towards the totalitarian version of the left wingers, what they want to do is continue to get that idea that words are violent so that when they actually enact real violence on you in response to your mm-hmm. words, they can say you started it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also it's like a rhetorical chiastic kind of parallel structure, which means your speech is violence because I don't like it. But my violence is speech. I can burn and destroy and yeah. wreck and injure human beings, mm, but point. that's protected free speech. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like a double rhetorical reverse. Uh, it doesn't fool too many people unless they're on the left and they can hold those kind of two parallel negating ideas in their head at the same time. Yeah, well, they're you know they're looking for um, you know violence from us and us meaning you know the normal people. Um, they want to see. Uh, you know, a, what, uh, again, I'm, I'm quoting all my, all my favorite friends in this one, uh, James Lindsay, who's been on the show and, mm-hmm. and, uh, he's calling it drag Floyd. They want a drag Floyd. Mm-hmm. They want somebody to, you know, harm or, uh, you know, enact violence against a transgender, uh, individual so that they can riot and burn things down again. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I think is the kind of thing that they're looking for. So James Lindsay is always, do not mm-hmm. give them a drag Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, there should be, I mean, part, part of being conservative and traditional, whether you're a Christian or not, is, is, is an idea of restraint. So you may have seen the video that's been floating around of this, uh, Dylan Mulvaney, you know, it's, it's a guy in a dress and mm-hmm. he puts on the makeup and he was at Biden's White House and so on and so forth. And he just just put up a video on TikTok or one of those platforms and uh, he gets himself all made up and has these long extensions. He talks about the extension on his head with his hair. He's got this little skimpy dress and high heels and he prances around. And he's like, I am so hot that I could watch out, girls. I could steal your husband. He goes, but don't worry, girls, we're going to take care of each other. I'm not going to steal your husband. I'm like. That is the depth of mental insanity yeah. and perversity. Yeah. And I was texting my daughter this morning and I said, you know, the kind of wife whose husband could be stole by that man in a little dress would not be sad if her husband got stolen. I mean, that that's yeah. how far it's gone. And I guarantee you that guy probably went to graduate school, as Dennis Prager likes to say. You can always tell the people that went to grad school, they're crazy, with one or two exceptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, I think what's interesting about that is so, and, and I'd love for you guys to weigh in on this, uh, Matt Walsh, um, a little while ago on Twitter, um, did a video responding to Mulvaney and, mm-hmm. and really um, very matter-of-factly, but also harshly <clears throat> condemned all of it and every little bit of what that guy's mm-hmm. doing. And um, a, a number of soft or softer conservatives, you know, criticize Matt like, oh, hey, we need compassion and things like that. Um, and I think we're beyond that now mm-hmm. when it comes to the destructiveness of the ideology that they're promoting on that side. Um, yes, we're, we don't want, obviously, violence. And I don't I don't think we're right. at danger of that, really, because that's not that's not in us. Um, if you come into my jujitsu school, you will meet all of the guys that'll never get into a fight with anybody in their life because they are humble in that sense. And they have all those skills and they're not going to be using it in any kind of, um, you know, proactively bullying sure. or violent way. You know, that's that's just the nature. And I think conservatives, for the most part of those people, successful, happy Uh, peaceful, all of that. But the left is not. So they're trying Mm -hmm. to definitely stir it up. Right. Yeah. We will convert you and you will not only accept, but you will celebrate. I mean, that that's kind of been the track all the way. And I was in grad school in the nineties, you know, kind of at the front, front end of that thing. And you probably saw a little bit, a little bit later, but you know, you will be made to care. Right. I mean, this, this is classic Orwell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what do you guys think about that idea that we need to, you know, be compassionate and or because we do need to be compassionate, but that it is, you know, uncompassionate to be really calling that stuff out harshly right now? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two sides of this coin, right? So the, the idea that there's any kind of objective truth means that you have to tell people about it. Right. You know, and when someone, you know, makes, uh, you know, exposes the kind of thinking like we're talking about with this guy, if that person was in the room with you, I mean, you, 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 you wouldn't, you would want to treat them like a person. Yeah. Right. But there's a difference between ideas and, and people. And so, you know, speaking truth and, uh, and confronting the, the idea, the marketplace of ideas and, you know, let's evaluate this and this kind of thing is completely different than if you're sitting with somebody and talking to them. Right. You know, and, but then there's this confusion of that. Like, you know, we should, we should treat ideas the same way. Well, you know, ideas need to be beat up. You know, they aren't people, you know, people are people. And so, you know, being compassionate with someone else's idea is not, this is not the same thing as being compassionate to a person. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, I, um, I'll give an example of that. You know, I've had a couple of detransitioners on the show, which, mm-hmm. oh man, my heart goes out to them. And, um, you know, it's really just tragic what they're going through. I mean, they're life, um, life altering sentence. And so, um, I'll ask them, you know, what, you know, do I call you a he, she, what, you know, what would you prefer? Because on that compassionate level, I'm okay with, you know, that conversational level of just ministering to that person. Um, in that, you know, and, uh, you know, thankfully because they've detransitioned and things like that, it doesn't really matter to them, you know, Hey, whatever you're feeling comfortable with mm-hmm. Bryce. Okay. No problem. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm willing to extend that, you know, graciousness in that moment on that individual level. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will not do it at, you know, at large, I will not, um, you know, give in to those delusions at large. Mm-hmm. I will not, 
um, do you know, uh, anything but condemn that ideology that's taking these people down the path because it's wicked and evil. So, you know, on that individual level, I, I do think we need to, you know, reach out with as much love as possible. But that's different, you know, if we're going to lie in the process, which we shouldn't be doing. Right. Right. And because you have, uh, you know, all of these ideological structures at this point in Western culture right now that are incredibly destructive and denying objective material, what we might call scientific and biological reality, which is a large part of what has built the modern West through, through technology, through science, which the people on the left want to claim is their place. Yay, science, I love science. Yeah. Not when you're denying it, not when you're making up things that are demonstrably false. That's not, that's not science at all. And when you ascend to that at any level, you are essentially participating in, a, in another human being's self-destruction. So they say you must have compassion, but they don't mean compassion. They mean, I need you to sign on to my, I am not a lunatic statement. Mm -hmm. And that is not compassion. Kindness, gentleness, generosity, that's actual compassion. But in the same way that you can love your child with a hug, you can love them with some discipline and right. with speaking sometimes some hard truth. Yeah, yeah, well, and Carl Truman talks about this, mm -hmm. right? Is, you know, the, when, when it became the, the highest good for the person to be self-actualized, right? Mm -hmm. Or for the highest good went out, when we, when we destroy the notion that there is good outside of me that I would be aspiring to, and then the self-focus became, the, you know, the, the individualism became the most important thing. Then it's then it is. I have to affirm you. You have to affirm me. I have mm -hmm. to affirm you because that's mm -hmm. the highest good. You, mm -hmm. You're if you don't affirm me, if my if my self express expression is the most good, then then you have to affirm me instead of this truth outside of us that yeah. we both can agree on mm -hmm. as the as the highest good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's and it's this worship of the idea of affirmation, which is really really weird. I mean, one of the phrases, one of the kind of classical learning phrases I have my students memorize, some people say it's Thomas Aquinas from the 13th century. It's probably a lot of different people. They have different versions. It's, it's, it's a tricolon. It's three phrases linked by commas. Saipe negare, which means often negate. When you hear an argument, because human beings are fallen, almost everything they say has some error in it. So off, be ready to say, no, that's not accurate. It's only partially. Saipe negare, often negate. The next one is raro affirmare, rarely affirm, which is you can rarely agree with things because people tend to err. And then the last one is semper distinguere, which is always make distinctions, right? So if a person can't look at their plumbing and understand whether they're this or that, and they claim to be non-binary, which itself is a binary claim, mm -hmm. then they are not worth affirming. They are worth actually negating, not as a human being, they all bear the image of God, but you can't affirm them and negate the truth of who they are. Because again, you're just lying to help them along the path to a certain kind of self-destruction. Yeah, now, um, I love that, by the way. Um, I, in fact, I'm, I'm absorbing it. I'm memorizing it right now in my head. You know, I'll never be able to repeat it. I'll as well, email but, it to you. Don't yeah. worry about it. Um, Just give a little fake accent. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like it. Um, so now, uh, Mitch, what we didn't get into in the beginning is your um, area of expertise right. or, um, you know, your background. So let's uh, let's hit on that because, you know, Grant and I will go like crazy on this episode otherwise. 
for the Alliance Interest family finances in their blood. I grew up with them and they've handled my entire financial world for nearly 30 years. And as a testament to their talents, they've managed to keep me not just out of trouble, which in and of itself is remarkable, but they've helped me build real wealth. They've assisted me through complex business transactions and family matters. Now, even my daughters are working with Uncle Randy to put financial disciplines in place for their futures. Invest with people who share our values and will help you to be a good steward with what God has given you. Let Alliance in Trust help you to plan for what's next. Visit aewealth.com or call 805-371-8020 to learn more. That's great. Well, I appreciate asking. Um, So my area is... Primarily in the area of curriculum and instruction is my degree area, uh, educational technology in, in is, as well. So I've spent a career working kind of all of my work before working at the master's university was in secular higher education um, and had to do mostly with the um, online education was kind of my area. So, uh, you know, this idea we're and again, we we're just talking about this on the way here. Uh, it, you know, early 2000s, the internet is really ramping up and it's getting, you know, big. And in graduate school, we're talking about what is, this is exposing the nature of what education is. You know, is it, is it simply just providing information? Because we don't need this anymore. You know, education, you know, so it's this idea of forming people. And I think, honestly, I would say, I don't think that uh, education at large has gotten away from this idea internally. Teachers still know that they they form people. I think they form uh, they form souls. They form thinking. But what's happened is they've taken the focus uh, off of the idea that um, that there is some truth which they can you know be aim at. Yeah. Know? And this is why this is maybe what we would say would be different about masters university is that we are uh, this this truth is out. It's not something that we explore and discover. As if it's you know every disco- every student discovers something new, you know there's there's truth to be discovered, mm-hmm. uh, and so anyhow so that's that's a little bit of my background. I mean I I've, I've just spent a career in working in education, curriculum design, um, just trying to support people like Grant so they can do their job. Um, but yeah, I mean I think it was interesting for me in the early two thousands. There's this idea of change agents came out in in, in uh, training teachers. Mm-hmm. You know we need to be change agents. This kind of thing. So, um, change what? That should be the question. Change culture. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, there was no, yeah. there was not any, uh, there was, that wasn't a veiled thing. It was, you know, we need to, ch- culture is changed through education and we are the change agents. Yeah. And then, you know, you get that in the people. They didn't really know, I mean, what was going on there. But then you start inserting all these ideas, progressive ideas and, uh, and that, that's where they, that's what they're trying to change. Yeah. Well, that's a, uh, I mean, you know, very, you know, powerful, uh, <clears throat> statement you made earlier that, that, you know, teaching is about, you know, like, uh, you know, forming them or, um, I don't remember the exact language you, you used, but, um, but we, 
um, you're, you're right. They have not gotten away from that as like that central tenant of teaching, um, because you if you you know watch the libs of TikTok or anything like that, these teachers are capturing them all the time, talking exactly about how they are, you know, forming these minds and they are, you know, taking them down, you know, a certain path. And yeah, they're taking them away from truth and they're taking them towards ideologies that they have and that they've learned, um, which are nihilistic, which are absurd, which are, um, you know, unscientific, uh, you know, all of those things that, uh, that we're, you know, noticing right now in our culture. Yeah. Mitch's job is as provost, which means he is not the oldest faculty member, but kind of the senior faculty, really the head of the faculty. He's like the, the colonel marshalling the faculty troops, which is kind of a terrifying job. I couldn't imagine doing it because you have dozens of, you know, pretty smart people who have all different ways of looking at all different kinds of things, mm-hmm. even though we're united as Christians at our university, right. we have different disciplines and backgrounds and ideas and opinions on a variety of, yeah. of things. And having uh, having a job where you basically have to disappear and enable us through the work you do behind the scenes to enable us to do what we do at all different kinds of levels is wonderful. Now, what you get with provosts and deans at the vast majority of universities is an extreme kind of wokeism that is equipping faculty to do this kind of indoctrination that, again, is very far away from any kind of real education. You look on a curriculum of a graduate course in Shakespeare right now, it's completely different than what I would have had, you know, a number of years ago, right? You'll, you'll read a couple of Shakespeare plays and then half a dozen books and 30 or 40 articles, and it's all about Shakespeare is white, Shakespeare is heterosexual, Shakespeare was probably a Catholic, Shakespeare this, that, and his plays are all about oppression. And so when I was in grad school, the thing about Shakespeare was that he was radical. The big book was by Jonathan Dolomore, Radical Tragedy. Shakespeare was a leftist. Marx wasn't born until 250 years after Shakespeare died. There was no such thing as a leftist in the political sense in the 17th century. So everything has to become politicized. Shakespeare and Michelangelo's sculpture and box music just become ways to turn people to your political mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, ideological structures. And it, it, and it's, it's indoctrination, and it can be very effective. But it is, it's not education. It's just not. Yeah, I, I just had um, uh, Spencer Clavin um, mm-hmm. on, who wrote a book uh, called How to Save the West, and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, goes into that. Well, of course, he's a classicist and, you know, mm-hmm. he, he uh, studied at Yale and Oxford and, you know, uh, studies the Greek and, you know, all that. And, you know, and so he was, you know, waxing romantic uh, in the book about, you know, Socrates and, you know, all of the thinking processes that they went through, uh, you know, as a matter of kind of that foundational part of education. Right. It was about thinking. It was about, you know, thinking about your place in the world. It was about examination of ideas, you know, all those things that I thought, um, you know, the universities were supposed to be about. But, you know, it turns out they are, you know, anything but that now, you know, they are those indoctrination camps. They are those, this is what you are going to think, not Mm -hmm. let's teach you to think so you can, you know, form your own thoughts and ideas about things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a strange irony, right? Because they would, they would reject the notion of absolute truth. They would reject the notion that there's objective truth outside, but then they want to teach, no, you can't believe that you must believe this, Mm -hmm. you know? 
Yeah, you know, I had someone that, you know, worked for me years ago and she was, you know, dear, you know, sweet gal in, you know, many ways. But but to her, you know, the idea that, you know, there could be any truth on Fox News at the time. And actually, this is when Fox News was actually pretty good. And uh, <laughs> well, aside from Tucker Carlson, who is still great. Fabulous. Um, but, you know, she she could not fathom the idea that anything outside of her narrow sets of beliefs were even possible to be even thought about or considered. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was so like, you know, well, you know, I'm the one that's got this truth because it's so obvious that all of yeah. this is truth. And all of what they're telling me on CNN is obviously the truth and mm-hmm. obviously so, you know, right on that anything outside of that, you know, I, I can't even I can't even look at it, you know, was her thing. I can't even I have to that's, turn off. I mean, that's that's exactly what we're talking about and what we're trying to uh, dismantle at Masters, right? This idea that that abstract thought, which in the West begins largely with the Greeks, right? They're trying to think in terms other than let me dig roots out of the ground and let me roast the sheep for dinner. Right. Right. They're thinking about goodness and truth and beauty and essences and and being and all of these other they 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 basically invent philosophy and philosophy has plenty of problems but it's an attempt to move beyond the merely material the merely physical and to do abstract thought and that's why th- that's why education comes to be educare which is to be led out of yourself right and so what happens is when you have people who think that they have an education but they can't imagine someone thinking differently they're not thinking at all. They're basically Narcissus looking at his reflection in the pond and falling in love with himself and his ideas, and no one else exists. I read stuff on the far, far left. Yeah, I same. read stuff on the far, far... I read everything all over the place. Yeah. I can sit down and watch Rachel Maddow and anybody, anybody as far left as possible, and I... Here's why she's wrong. I don't lose. I don't lose my mind. Yeah, you know, I, I and I and this is common of every single you know podcast host or you know television host or whatever on the right or you know any kind of forum. You know, we constantly try to get guests from the left or even you know just let's call it you know left of center. Mm-hmm. Um, it is impossible. They won't do it. You know, I mean, every once in a while, you've got guys that'll get close. Uh, you know, Tim Pool has had, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Vosh and, a, you know, a couple of people on. Um, but, you know, in the examination or the defense of their ideas, they fall apart pretty quick. If your idea can't withstand pressure, it's probably not good. And right. people generally know when their ideational structures are weak. What One of the best lines from Aristotle, and I'm not a particularly big fan of Aristotle, but one of his best lines is the sign of a truly educated mind is the ability to hold in accurate estimation an idea with which they entirely disagree. Yeah. If you can't do that, I'm sorry, you're weak. Yeah. That's actually intellectually and I would say spiritually weak. One of the coolest things that almost happened but did not was James Lindsay and Charlie Kirk were going to go over to Oxford and they were going to argue on a panel and for some reason they put James Lindsay on the left wing side and they put Charlie on the right side of this Mm -hmm. panel that included I think it was like five and five Mm -hmm. or something like that on each side and James Lindsay was like, hey, guys, I don't think I'm supposed to be on that other side. And they were like, oh, listen, it's all set. It's all been advertised. Can you still do it? 
And he goes, oh, yeah, I can argue that side better than yeah. they can he's argue that side. He's a liberal, kind well, of classically oriented guy. Yeah, but he's, he, not a he's, like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll do, do it. I'll do a great job. And Charlie was joking, like, I really don't honestly want James Lindsay, even if he's faking it, to be arguing. Because <laughs> yeah. that guy's yeah, brilliant. You don't want an argument you know? with a brilliant yeah. mathematician who's also a philosopher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but but he uh, he told me that, you know, now it's public. But before it was ever public, he's like, I, I can't believe this is happening. Here, keep That's it quiet. Great. But uh, but it would have been so cool to see because he's like, in the process, I will show how foolish it is. But I will argue it better than they can even argue it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that would be wonderful. Well, and I, and I know you probably could as well. I can argue the left's positions fairly well and without, you know, um, you know, without making them, I mean, the ideas are idiotic in and of themselves, but without mm-hmm. intentionally trying to make them sound dumb, I could, yeah. I could lay out their positions because I'll read all of it. You know, I'll listen yeah. to all of their stuff. I'll take all of their yeah. attacks. doesn't bother me. And if I were to be asked to go on any of their shows, I would be totally willing. Yeah, whatever. Let's do sure. it. Um, but, but you'll never get that on, on our side. Yeah. I read the postmodernists, Jean Baudrillard and Francois Lyotard and deconstruction guys like Derrida, who I studied with in grad school. I read them in French and I can read Antonio Gramsci in Italian if I really want to. I'll probably learn more from an hour or two of doing that than watching something that I might agree with like this show. Yeah. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. It forces me to define myself more carefully. Well, and I wish we had more of that. I mean, I sincerely wish that we had, you know, more of that back and forth. I think it'd be much healthier for society too. I think you would you would um, bum out the fringes. And I think that they, you know, would be exposed, you know, the arguments that were weak would be exposed. Mm -hmm. I think we'd come back closer together. But again, you know, I think we're in a spiritual battle and I I know you two would agree with me. And I think that part of that whole division that we're facing right now is because of that spiritual battle. So, you know, those forces are, are, you know, a lot of what's keeping us apart. What do you think, Mitch? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... There's this notion out there of that pe- you know people worship acceptance, uh-huh. and you can see this kind of you sort of see this on the left. If if you don't if I don't accept you right then and that's like that's some kind of a violent act or that's some you know something like that. And I think I mean it, you know it speaks to the idea that you know people need we're created to go back biblically speaking, okay. We're created in the garden to tend and keep the creation that God has given to us, you know. And once once that once that gets destroyed, and people start, uh, you know, they start uh, living in ways that are not what they're not designed for. Uh, they're losing the acceptance of fulfilling their mission. Mm-hmm. You see, and I think that there's this this notion as believers, I don't, I don't require other people's acceptance. I mean, I, I want to get along with people. That's biblical, right? Romans tells us, yeah, as long as it depends on me, I should get along with people. Mm-hmm. But I, I, if someone demands that I think their way, I don't, I don't feel uncomfortable because I, I am accountable to one person. Right. And there's this sense, I think in, in, in the design of the, of the human soul that we are accountable to the creator. And people want to be, you know, they want to create all these networks of, of acceptance among one another. And I think that's where you get this, I don't know, I, th- you, I was just listening to you talk uh, about, you know, about some of those 
uh, you know, those liberal ideas and they can't articulate those things. And, you know, and they don't like it when somebody dismantles it because you're not agreeing with me, you know, and that's what we're, we're supposed to all get along, you know, so. Valentine's Day is over, but the need to say I love you is never over. Finding a way to tell someone you care about them on a consistent basis is hard. At least it was until Good Ranchers came along. Say I love you with meat this year, but not just any meat. It has to be Good Ranchers, 100% American, hand-trimmed, steakhouse-quality meat and seafood. Over 85% of grass-fed beef sold in stores is imported from overseas. That doesn't say I love you. That says I think you're as good as this old meat shipped over from Venezuela. Don't say that. Instead, use my code BRYCE to get $30 off when you order any box from Good Ranchers today. Nothing says you care more than prime cuts of beef, pasture-raised chicken, and premium quality seafood. You can get all of it delivered every four, six, or eight weeks at GoodRanchers.com. Ditch the usual gifts that just don't cut it anymore. Say it with a subscription to American Meat instead. Snag your $30 off with my code BRYCE at GoodRanchers.com today. With a 100% satisfaction guarantee, you can count on your monthly delivery of meat to always deliver the quality a great gift needs. Forget regular flour deliveries. Set up an easy, affordable, and delicious subscription to American Meat delivered today. And save $30 with my code BRYCE. Say you're the best with the best meat in America from Good Ranchers. You know, I think we're to endeavor to be kind to one another, you know, and I, I've talked about it. I, I have uh, ripped on the idea of being nice because I think nice is weakness. I think nice, nice is overrated. Well, I think nice is uh, um, a uh, passive thing um, for a lot of people. I think it's a weak thing for a lot of people. We are to be kind and kind is a intentional act coming from a position of strength. Um, you know, nice is, you know, fold over like a deck of cards. It's the reason that nice guys finish last and all of that, because nobody really wants nice. Um, you know, nice is weakness, but kindness is strength. I think that as we've seen the lack of masculinity in our culture and all of that fall away, um, normal willing to have contention and confrontation and and by contention i mean you know contending with one another you know not necessarily you know violent confrontations not necessarily you know wicked you know evil confrontations but just rubbing up against each other even iron sharpening iron yeah, with you wrestling. know discussions yeah re, uh, you know wrestling through things all of that i think is incredibly necessary for a really peaceful and successful society but you know we've lost all of that i think that the reason that you also don't see the left being willing to really engage in some of these debates all they can do is hot-headed emotional you know you're a racist you know sort of stuff mm -hmm. uh you know or unfounded accusations you're a hater all of those sort of things you know it's because they don't have that strength they don't have that um you know ability to contend you know, so the ideas are bad for sure. The ideas can't stand, but also yeah. I don't think they have it in them to to sit down and have, you know, reasonable conflict and and contention with another human being to test things and test ideas. Yeah, if a little skinny weak guy that's never exercised other than going like this all day yeah. with his Nintendo Switch is has an opportunity to get into the ring with a guy who eats meat and works out and lifts heavy things repeatedly, yeah. right? He's gonna say, I'm not gonna do that. Look at you, you go to the gym, you're toxic masculinity. The workout guy is not gonna say that the other guy has toxic masculinity. Right. 
right? And so it, it, it just becomes a, a little war of words and insults, which is largely driven by fear of an ability to perform well in a confrontation. Yeah, no, I, I, I think fear is a you know big, big part of that. Mm -hmm. It's just thinking. I am. I'm just thinking through how we, you know, in in education, we are supposed to be building the kind of, um, you know, building some of that confidence in our in our students, you know, that they're they have ideas. Everybody has ideas, but we need to we need what we need to do in them is build a confidence in their logical uh, construct for those things, mm -hmm. you know, and um, you know, that takes, and uh, Grant and I have a, uh, you know, some shared experience in this with students who, when they really want, they want to grow, we have to kind of break them down a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, not in a rude way or an unkind way, you know, but just to say to them, to point out the flaws in their thinking. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting to see what they do with that. Some of them don't do deal well with that. Uh, you know what? I, I imagine that that's true. Are, are, have you seen, you know, because you've been in education for a long time, you have now too. Um, uh, do, have you seen a difference in today's students along those lines? Because I'm, I'm very concerned about some of, you know, I think, I think the generations that are coming up, like the youngest, uh, you know, kids that we see today, I think are going to eat a lot of the kids today for lunch. Um, you know, and, and there's some cyclical reasons for that too, but have, have you seen a difference? Because I have, and I don't know if it's also, you know, you guys get some of the best of the bunch, you know, at, at, at masters. Um, but are you seeing some of that a little bit? Well, the oldest thing in the world that professors like to do, I mean, I, I read letters it, from professors to other professors and academics at, at These Oxford kids today. in the 1600s. <laughs> These right. kids today, boy, back in the 12th century, you know, this kind of, we were all Vikings. Okay, that set aside, everyone yeah. loves to complain about this generation. Yeah, uh, We have some incredible, phenomenal people at my school, and there are wonderful young people everywhere. Uh, I tell the young people I work with all the time, do not listen to people who pick on your generation. Every yeah. older generation has always done that. Don't listen to it. Go out, do hard things, work hard, discipline yourself, follow God. And I agree uh, with that. Find a girl, get married, have a bunch of babies, right? Do stuff like that. With that said, yeah, you have now the double digital natives, right? These are people whose parents grew up as digital natives in a lot of cases, right? Right? Who grew up with the internet and with iPhones and wireless connectivity constantly everywhere. Wake up in the morning, first thing you do is look at your phone for an hour. Um, and that can sap both masculinity and femininity in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It can drain humanity. It's not that it's inherently wrong. It's that every moment that you're doing this, you're not interacting with other human beings and they're the image of God, not your phone. Right. And it also requires that you're essentially motionless. Right. Which is not good for you physically to have too much of that. And so there are some kind of built-in problems. Some of that's related to technology. But a lot of it is the secondary, it's the, it's the technology content with social media and the constant self-image and self-presentation curation that is so common with people that have grown up with, I am my Instagram, my Snapchat, my DMs, my, you know, Facebook is now, you know, that's like an old people's app now, right? <laughs> but there are, but none of these are, none of these are insurmountable problems, particularly for Christians, right? I think. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a sense, too, in which technology has advanced and reduced the physical load that people, I mean, this, like you said earlier, people were scratching roots out of the ground and trying to find 
some meat to roast. You know, that mm -hmm. pretty much occupied most of their time. Mm -hmm. And as technology, you know, advances, people have less and less to do in order to live. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, you couple that with what you were talking about earlier, the government gets involved, we get money if we get people in, in schools and, um, you know, and, and so then people just sit around with not very much to do, mm -hmm. you know, plus, you know, we, we take them out of the tech schools, the trade schools, because yep. I, you know, I, I, my observation would be this, that, you know, there was a period of time in which school counselors, they would tell students, uh, things that were probably not helpful, like you're not smart enough to go to to university, right? You're not smart enough to go to, you know, kids, you know, this, this is, uh, this is, you know, sort of, you see this in movies and this kind of thing. The kid says, I want to be a, I want to go, I want to be an astronaut. I want to, oh no, your dad's a, you know, your dad's a plumber, your dad's a, you know, car mechanic, you know, don't, mm. don't bother. Right. That's, mm. that's a bad, you know, perhaps a bad example yeah. of that. But then when you get to this, this idea that, you know, everybody's got to go to college, everybody's got to, you know, everybody's can't tell anybody they're not smart enough. And, and rather than trying to help them, you know, find what they're good at, we tell right. them, you have to go to college and then the people get out of the trades. This is what you're talking about earlier. We, we need, we need plumbers. We need, you know, all these sort of um, trade things. Uh, and we, we, it, it, it de-dignifies, you know, the physical uh, trades. And so then you get micro, the micro effect comes in and he's trying to say, no, 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 we need these. And these are, you know, these are good people. And so, um, but yeah, I think the technology is we just have, there's less to do. You know, there's less, mm -hmm. there's less manual labor to get where you need to get. And then yeah. you just sit around thinking all the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why people are heavier. You know, yeah. if you, the whole if point you had of to technology is efficiency, yep. it's getting things done with less human effort. Right. And so as technology increases, it requires less human effort. And so you, you know, the, the, the potential end point is something like Aldous Huxley's brave new world, where everyone is programmed from not a womb, but from a decanting jar, you know, you're grown outside of a body. And then, you know, they, they put some alcohol in there and reduce your oxygen. So you're an alpha, you're real high intelligence, or you're an epsilon, you're real low, and you're a janitor, you're a PhD. And then they feed you Soma all day long, which just keeps you kind of numbed and pleasurable, because there's nothing left to do. Yeah. Well, that's uh, Noah Yuval Harari, who I mentioned on the mm -hmm. on the show, you know, the uh, kind of one of the brains of the World Economic mm -hmm. Forum and, you know, Klaus Schwab and all mm -hmm. that. He he asks, what are we going to do with all the useless people? He says, all these worthless people, I think it'll be a combination of drugs and video games. Of course. Yeah. And many people already voluntarily mm -hmm. submit to that. Yeah. They, they have an avatar, which to them is who they really are, because they never read either the Bible or even a little bit of Greek philosophy that talks about what you really are. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's frightening. Well, I, I, I think that the previous generations, you know, are um, at fault for what we do have today. Um, and I think a current crop of parents that are raising kids right now, you know, have to swim against the tide. Yes. Um, I think you cannot let your kids, um, you know, go down these paths at whatever cost, um, you know, the, the electronic addiction, the Instagram stuff, which is just absolutely abhorrent. But don't forget to follow me, Super Bryce Eddie, <laughs> on Instagram. I'm Insta-famous now. And the show, the Bryce Eddie Show on Instagram, subscribe. No, um, but the, uh, 
the the fact that they're spending and I'm and I'm in favor of you know like Josh Hawley and some of these are proposing the idea of age limits um, mm-hmm. you know for the ability for them to get on social media apps and things like that which I don't think will fly in our modern right. culture I think the the backlash against that will be so tremendous because now. Mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, schools use it and, you know, places use it to like, oh, look, we're all connected, you know, which Mm -hmm. those are some wonderful tools. Right. But Mm -hmm. um, it's incredibly destructive. You know, we we had uh, my girls up until, um, gosh, a year or two ago. And, you know, now they're grown. um, But we had them share one phone. And that kind of policed it among the three of mm-hmm. them and prevented them from, you know, getting so addicted into it. You know, we had it for mm-hmm. basically, you know, we need them to be able to call us. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, um, it was not in their hands 24-7. Mm-hmm. And of course, we intentionally had them get involved in music and get mm-hmm. involved in all these things to mm-hmm. distract them from the ways of the world. Mm-hmm. 